This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Congress wants to know where you've been surfing and in pushing for greater data retention by Internet providers. Congress may be preventing providers from effectively protecting your data from hackers. Members of Congress may understand law, says Julian Sanchez, research fellow at the Cato Institute. They don't understand the nuances of evolving technology. The House Judiciary Committee approved a highly deceptive bit of legislation called the Protecting Children from Internet Pornographers Act of 2011. Uh, There's a handful of provisions here that really have something to do with child pornography. But the centerpiece, something that's been on the FBI's wish list for years, is a data retention mandate that would require all uh, Internet providers – meaning certainly big ISPs, Comcast, Verizon, but also potentially any service that enables you to access the Internet and assigns an Internet protocol address to you temporarily uh, for any kind of fee. Uh, There's actually some controversy over exactly who this mandate applies to. So the uh, uh, chief champion and sponsor of the law – uh, Lamar Smith claims it would not apply to, for example, hotels and cyber cafes that charge a fee to log on. But by the plain language of the statute, it really seems like it would. And, and also apply in principle to uh, uh, what are called anonymizing proxies, again, if they charge a fee. These are services that uh, the State Department has actually been very big about promoting because they're often used by people in repressive regimes to uh, anonymously circumvent uh, you know, local firewalls that try and block access to subversive content or at least content that China or Iran consider subversive. And the idea behind this legislation is to require all these internet providers to maintain a record identified with specific user accounts of all these temporary internet protocol addresses that are assigned. These are the number, the string of numbers that identifies you to every website that you visit online. Uh, Normally that is uh, potentially somewhat anonymous, uh, especially since these are often cycled through, especially for wireless users. but the legislation would require them to keep a log identifying which address was used by which person at which time. I say this is deceptively named because uh, identifying IP addresses is a tool that law enforcement can use in uh, child porn investigations. Uh, but so are wiretaps and fingerprinting. But no one would say that uh, fingerprinting or wiretaps are a child porn tool. This is a general mandate that means everyone who uses the Internet, essentially, must be treated as a potential criminal. Uh, It's not the usual model where once someone is suspected of wrongdoing, uh, a court order is obtained, the police go to investigate. This says that the Internet providers must do the government's dirty work for it, must store everyone's data in case it later turns out that they are uh, a criminal or at least suspected of criminal activity. Uh, This is a sort of loophole in the Fourth Amendment because it doesn't – the Fourth Amendment doesn't regulate what private entities do. So the government can say, you, private company, must store everyone's uh, internet data for us so we can later track them down. Once the data is stored, however, it's not your personal data on your computer because they've forced this corporation to store that data. So then when they go to – Uh, demand that data from the Internet provider, uh, well, it's not your personal data. It's a corporation's data. So, again, the Fourth Amendment has been held not to apply. Um, This is a huge problem for a bunch of reasons. The most obvious one is that it's probably not going to be very effective. Uh, One, it's not clear there's really a serious problem here. Law enforcement likes to tell – you know, moving anecdotes about this one time where they wanted to be able to catch – 
you know, a suspected pedophile, but they couldn't because the ISP no longer had records of who held a particular IP address at a particular time. Uh, the problem is we don't know how often that's really a problem. Back in March, the Government Accountability Office did a study where they found that actually this wasn't a problem, that most of the time they were able to get the data they needed from ISPs. When they couldn't, they usually were able to find it by other means. Um, you know, it looks like the p- big problems law enforcement has in hunting down distributors of child porn have to do with backlogs in uh, you know, doing computer forensics, have to do with the fact that they have not completed yet a statutorily mandated study of the effectiveness of the information sharing regime that was established the last time they did major child porn legislation in 2008. Uh, so despite all their professed hunger for data, the importance of data for these investigations, they're actually demanding a huge sweeping legal change uh, without providing any data to the legislators themselves. It's also unlikely to work because, uh, you know, a uh, some some sick guy in his parents' basement downloading this stuff might not be savvy enough to hide his activity. But the people you really care about, the people who are manufacturing and producing and distributing this stuff, have any number of tools that they can use to hide their data. So when law enforcement says, well, we weren't able to get this data from the ISP, the question to ask is, if they had gotten that data, would it have done any good? Do we believe that someone who is, uh, you know, abusing children and distributing pornography to, you know, millions of people, perhaps making money off it, is just using their home computer with no counter surveillance mechanisms at all to upload this material? There might be a couple, but I doubt it's that many. And if it's not that many, you have to ask whether the benefit to law enforcement whatever it might be, I suspect not very large, is worth the enormous cost. There are enormous costs to providers that would have to comply with this. You think about wireless providers. You know, this isn't like your home broadband connection where, you know, Comcast assigns you an IP. It probably stays the same for a couple days, and it's your home IP address. uh, And then maybe after a few days or a few weeks, uh, you're, you're assigned a different one. If you think about the growing mobile sector, and half of internet broadband connections are within a couple of years expected to be wireless, Um, we're often talking about, for example, uh, lots of different devices actually all sharing an IP address on a a firewalled network represented by a base tower that's providing their connectivity. Or on the other hand, uh, IP addresses cycling much more quickly through different devices as you move around uh, from sector to sector. So the obligation to redesign the network to store all that data is, is likely to be enormously costly for wireless providers. In some cases, uh, you know, maybe be actually incredibly technically difficult to implement. Uh, you also have the question of how this affects the architecture of different kinds of services that use different models for providing authentication and connectivity. So think about uh, some, you know, some of these services that business travelers often use, where they'll subscribe for ten or twenty dollars a month, um, and a service will allow them to log in and get internet at affiliated locations like airports and hotels and anywhere one of these hotspots exists that's affiliated with the company you've got an account with, uh, you can log in there. Well, one of the design features of this, and this is a design feature of lots of different kinds of network, is that the access point, the point at which you're assigned a local IP address and your traffic is routed to your device, is disconnected, at least in principle, from authentication. That is, uh, there's one entity that confirms that you have paid up and you are authorized to get internet access at one of the 
locations. And then there's the specific location, which may be run and maintained by a completely different company to, that, uh, that actually does the routing of traffic. Now, again, there's a question. It's not clear entirely whether this obligation would apply to them. If it wouldn't, that's one more enormous loophole and makes it less likely that this is going to be an effective way of catching child pornographers or anyone else. Again, remember, that like fingerprinting or wiretaps, uh, they may say this is about child porn, but most of the investigations in which this data might be used or useful or asked for uh, probably will have nothing to do with child pornography, so it's extraordinarily misleading. Um, but the question to ask here then is if it does apply to them, um, should it really be the case that when we're deciding between competing network architectures, between different models of providing mobile access and providing user authentication, that instead of business and engineering reasons being at the forefront, the legal obligation to design the network in a way that allows identification and storage of particular users with particular IP addresses or other temporarily assigned network addresses is the reason that you architect your network a certain way. I think it's incredibly short-sighted for the sake of, again, a, a few anecdotal cases where it might be more useful to have this data to impose this mandate on so many different networks. It also, I think it's important to say, increases security risks. You know, we talked about how some of these anonymizing services are used by dissidents overseas uh, under repressive regimes that try to limit Internet access and punish people who access uh, sites that the government doesn't approve of. And you know, think back to a year or two ago when Google suffered an attack that was believed by many people to have originated uh, from the People's Republic of China. Why did they attack Google? Well, uh, you know, it's like John Dillinger uh, answered when they asked him why he robbed banks, uh, because that's where the money is. And in Google's case, that's where the data is. And these anonymizers are where the data is that's often useful to these regimes or to criminals, to identity thieves. Um, and, you know, banks, banks, speaking of banks, think about how security is connected to the value of what you're trying to protect, right? Um, my home is pretty secure. I've got bars on my windows. I've got a deadbolt. I've got a front gate. Uh, that's a very secure apartment. But that's not a very secure bank. Why? Because the crack team from Ocean's Eleven is not going to put together a gang of experts with thousands of dollars in gear and bribes to insiders to break into my house and take my graphic novels and my, you know, my Apple gadgets. Um, Any time you increase the value of data to a successful intruder, an intruder may have technical sophistication, be willing to devote hours to the task, be willing to spend money uh, hiring botnets or uh, exploiting uh, software vulnerabilities that can really only be used once, um, you diminish security in the same way that, that the same security system that is enough for my house is not enough for a bank, a security system that is adequate to defend against and deter attackers when you're not storing a lot of data, when suddenly you've got a potentially very valuable year-long log of all that information um, becomes a lot more attractive. And so that's an additional cost that's created in, in terms of that security vulnerability. Uh, and my real concern is that uh, there's just not a lot of sense that the folks who are advocating most strongly for these data retention mandates understand the full range of technological implications. What they understand, and they're right about, is that child porn is a bad thing, but that is an inadequate basis on which to impose huge and burdensome and privacy-intrusive mandates on, 
on the whole of the Internet. Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.